0: Is locked and ready to fire, Illogical. Hello and welcome back to Federation Radio with your host Floyd once again. Alright, so today we're going over the episode The Deadly Years. Sorry, I had to move my little folder up to see that title, but The Deadly Years, which is episode twelve of season two of the original series. This is actually a really good episode. It um they managed to have a lot of like personal, like character moments. They had an interesting little problem that was going on like i i was actually a pretty good fan of this episode i thought it was well done so this is an episode about aging in a weird way it's actually radiation sickness but it comes across as aging so we start off they go down to this planet now we're not really told much about it there's a doctor i didn't write down his name i can't remember there's a doctor something And apparently everything was fine, but no one's been to see this expedition for a little while and they seemed a bit confused, almost as if they were disjointed over the radio when they contacted them. So Kirk had decided to bring down a team to just come and check in on them, make sure everything's okay. Then they land and immediately they can't find anyone. They end up looking around, and we actually get a rare Chekhov moment, where Chekhov goes off into this little room by himself, looking around, and it's dark, and then there's a bit of a flash of light as the lights in this little dome start to turn on and off, and we get an old man's dead body in the middle, and Chekhov just loses it, he freaks out, starts running out of the room. I'm honestly not really sure why, I think they really played up the drama of finding a dead body, because like... I don't know, they're Starfleet. I feel like corpses couldn't be that unusual a thing to find, right? They, they go around, they get in a lot of situations. Parts of their ship get blown off during combat. Surely they lose crewmates. Like, you would think seeing a corpse isn't that big a deal, especially someone you don't know, but Shekhov loses it like a little teenage girl. He runs outside screaming, Gap done! Captain! Captain! <laughs> He's just like f- losing it. Absolute adrenaline rush. Everybody comes back, so you've got Spock and you've got Scotty. You've got the captain, and there's another lady. I can't recall her name, but she was there too, and she was wearing blue, so I get the feeling that she was a scientist. So, you know, you've got your golden trio, Scotty, and this chick, as well as Chekhov. And they all come in, they, you know, Kirk holds Checkoff's shoulders, like, what's going on? And he explains there's a body in there, and they go in, and they find, yes, indeed, there's a body in there. Um, they manage to get the lights on, and McCoy does a little scan and says, it's exactly as it appears. That man died of natural causes, he's old. I don't know what else to say. And then we get these two people come in. They're an old couple. And one of them is the doctor that Kirk had spoken to, the head of the expert. Oh, sorry, the head of the expedition and his wife. Except they both look old, like really old. Like the dude comes in, he can barely hear. He keeps saying, "Oh, can you speak up?" And he's got this like white hair. He's balding. Like you would assume that these two are like. 60s 70s at least and then he says oh kirk at one point says how old are you doctor he is i'm 29 <laughs> he's like and my wife here is 27 and he's like what, what the fuck's going on so they end up taking them back aboard i mean obviously mccoy does a few scans they can't find any disease or any reason why this is happening so as far as the doctors are aware this isn't contagious so he brings them aboard brings them to the med bay and um, they just start doing tests on them and they pull full medicals and they can't work out what's wrong with them he says you know they having a meeting not long after this all the command staff and they're going over like what could it be maybe if it's not a medical or a disease perhaps it's a radiation or a you know some other kind of factor on the planet and they begin scans and all this stuff's going on We learn during this time that there's a man named Commodore. Well, not named, but Ranked Commodore. I forget his actual name. doesn't matter. We're just going to call him the Commodore. And he's on board, and he keeps, you know, sort of bringing up throughout the episode, like, we we need to go to Starbase 10. They can help. And Kirk keeps telling him, we'll get there as soon as possible. I know you have a deadline, and I apologize, but we might be a little late, but we have to deal with this. But then as the episode goes, things start getting worse. All the people that were down on the ground Except for Checkoff, are all aging rapidly, like the other lady I mentioned in the science uniform, in the blue uniform. She comes in at one point and says, "I'm feeling cold and I have a pain in my shoulder." And at first they say, hmm, "Let's have a look," and he like helps her out a little bit and says, "Oh, it's unusual, but it's nothing too bad." When he sorts her out and tells her to head off, and then she returns later that day, and she says, and she starts complaining about pain and feeling weird. And then you sort of notice that they've actually done up the makeup. Like they've given McCoy a bit of grey hair along his ears, as if he's aged too. And they start noticeably making them older. And then we get a little, and he's, you know, a little confused. Like, this is weird, but, oh, well, it's not too bad, I guess. He helps her out a bit. And then we get Kirk, who is in his room. And he's, like, dressing himself. He's putting his shirt on. And he has, like, a crook in he, uh, crick in his shoulder. And he says, Oh, I've got a bit of a sore shoulder. He says, I might have to go down to medical. So he goes down to see McCoy, and McCoy's looking a little bit older, and <laughs> and Kirk says to him, You're looking a bit old and a bit grey there, Doctor. He turns, and McCoy gets really angry and says, Well, you try doing my job, and we'll see how you look. You know, a very... Your typical, I'm a bit older and a bit grumpier type of attitude coming from the doctor, who also looks older. And the doctor says, what brings you here? And he says, a crick in my shoulder. And he gets out his medical device, starts scanning his shoulder, and then he starts scanning his elbow, and then goes to grab his finger for a minute, and Kirk like pulls his finger back like, that hurts, what are you doing? And he says, oh, it's just some like muscle strain, right? That's all it is, it's just a bit of muscle strain, making my joints hurt a little bit. And McCoy says, no. No, I'm sorry, Captain, but this is advanced arthritis, and it's spreading rapidly. He's like, advanced arthritis? And then, as they're discussing this, Scotty comes in, who is the only other person we haven't checked back in on from the ground force. And Scotty looks like arse. He walks in, he's got wrinkles on his face he didn't have before, his hair's going grey, like he shows the most outward signs of ageing. And of course after this they're like okay we didn't detect anything but obviously something's happened and they call all the people back to the medbay that were on the ground like let's go over this. And while they're there the old man dies that they had found down there the doctor. He dies of old age. The wife also dies of old age while they're here so they failed to save anyone from the expedition and it seems like whatever affected them is also affecting the crewmen that went down. Now, they perform a bunch of medical checks on a bunch of crew, and they determine pretty damn quickly that the only people affected by this were the ground crew. It's not contagious. Whatever it is isn't spreading amongst the crew. It is only them, which is good and bad. Now, they do determine that Chekhov isn't affected. Now, we we realize later that the reason he wasn't affected was actually because he was scared. He was freaked out by the body, and he had an adrenaline pump through his body, which apparently managed to counteract the radiation, so it didn't set it into his system. Which is why he is the only one that is not aging. And then we get some amusing scenes of Chekhov on the bridge, complaining next to Sulu, like, Chekhov, come up here, Chekhov, give me blood, Chekhov, give me blood sample, Chekhov, give me skin sample. And he's just like, oh, he's getting annoyed because, oh, yeah, they're running a million and one tests on him. Every every medical examination you can imagine right now he's being run on Chekhov because for whatever reason he's immune even the captains like i don't care if it's genetic bloodborne bloodborne or something about where he lived or maybe radiation from his cabin he's like you will find what it is that makes him immune and not us <laughs> and you know the doctor works on it spock's working on it now what's interesting is spock shows signs of aging as well now he is a vulcan which means he ages slower But he also points out, I am also half human, and so whatever is affecting you is affecting me. And he reports saying, like, my reflexes are down, my thought patterns are down, I'm not able to focus like I did. And then he says to McCoy, can you give me something to make my body not notice the cold as much? Because remember, well, I don't know, remember. Then we have been to Vulcan. Vulcan is basically a desert. It's a very hot planet. And he talks about, I have made my room 125 degrees. Now... I don't actually know in Star Trek, because it is an American show, so that's probably Fahrenheit, so I don't really know what that is in Fahrenheit, but McCoy's context clues of, well, I won't be making a house call to your cabin, make me think that is really hot. I know in Celsius, if it was 125, a human would basically die if he stood in there very long, or pretty much straight away, so I don't think it's Celsius, but it's being an American show, it's probably Fahrenheit, who, who bloody knows? Well, like he's complaining about feeling the cold, he's complaining about being slower, so he he's showing that like, yes, I'm a Vulcan and theoretically it will affect me slower, but my human side makes it so that I am very much affected. And at this point we start to get notes of other people being affected, like before I said McCoy had a bit of grey around his ears, well now, now McCoy is barely, he's got a bit of a blonde streak at the front of his hair, almost like a blonde tip has been put on very light and the rest of it has gone white. He now has wrinkles all over his face, and then we see the captain, who is looking very similar. Grey hair, looking like he's aged a lot. And we work out that at this point, they've aged around about 30 years in a day. And since they were all pretty middle-aged to begin with, sort of varying, I think, I don't know exactly who's older of, you know, um, Kirk and Scotty and McCoy, but they're all aging about 30 years more, which is a lot. I mean, I'm nearly 30. If I aged 30 years in a day, I'd be the equivalent of a 60-year-old within a 24-hour setting. That's a lot. Like, that's pretty scary. And they're all starting to be affected. We start to see scenes of that Commodore on the bridge is, again, sort of trying to pressure Kirk. Like, I'm watching a very valuable member of Starfleet decay in front of me. Please, let's go to the Starbase. I can help you. And he keeps pointing out, or Kirk keeps pointing out to the Commodore, that anything a starbase can do, a ship can do, going there will not help. I would rather stay here near the source of the problem so that we can try and work out what it is. Now, then we start getting dementia problems. Like, obviously, Kirk is going to have problems when he gets older, because he can't remember anything. And from what they said, 30 or so years. I don't know how old Kirk is. I presume he's somewhere in his 30s, so he's probably more closer to a 70-year-old right now. And he's having real problems. He signs, the yeoman comes up and gives him a fuel report, he grabs his pen and he signs it, and then he gives it back to her, and then he keeps talking to the Commodore, and then he goes to grab it off her again and says, I'll sign that, and she says, you've already signed this, sir, and you notice Sulu and some of the others kind of turning around and looking at him, like, they're not judging him, I think they're all a bit concerned, though, like, you're not in your right mind right now. And he says, Oh, of course I wouldn't have signed it. I wouldn't ask for it if I already signed it now, would I? And he takes it out of her hands and looks at it and he sees his signature and goes, Oh sorry, Ermen." and he gives it back to her. And then he turns to Sulu and says, Change our orbit to twenty thousand. And Sulu turns around and says, Do you mean twenty thousand further? This what? And he like looks at him he's like Why is everyone second-guessing my orders? And then Spock says to Sulu, like, what is our orbit? And he says 20,000. Obviously implying Kirk has already given this order, but he's forgotten and he's now giving it again. Which is confusing people. He's already reached for a folder that he'd reached for before, and we're seeing a lot of this stuff. Like, Kirk's struggling. He's hitting that very sad age that a lot of old people do, where they aren't really functional anymore, and it's a very sad thing to watch people in that state. And I think... You know, I have I have a grandpa that died of well, a few issues, but dementia was one of the major ones. And I watched him degrade from a very nice man to a still a nice man, but like he degraded very quickly from a very independent man to a almost like a child. Which sh- sounds harsh, but that's kinda what dementia does to people. And I have my other grandpa who is still alive and he has dementia not quite to that level, but it's kicking in. Like you sit there and talk to him for an afternoon and you'll find that he repeats a lot of questions pretty quickly because he's just not with it anymore which is sad and the show did a very good job of showing that like the way they made kirk act and walk around like yeah he really played the i have dementia pretty damn well it was very believable about that because i've seen it a few times like i said and he was very believable that he was suffering from it it was sad to watch and now we end up working out as i mentioned earlier they work out throughout this that Uh, it's radiation well actually sorry they work out afterwards actually one important thing that happens first is the commodore pulls spock aside and says to spock that he's going to call a legal proceeding well first he says i want spock to take charge he says you're a vulcan you age slower you have longer before this affects you to the degree that it is the captain and the captain right now is dangerous to be in command as he doesn't really know what he's doing Spock says to him, I cannot take charge. Like, I am affected by it. I am affected because of my human half almost as badly as him. He says, it's a matter of time till I hit that stage. I will not betray my captain like that. The Commodore basically forces a legal hearing proceeding to go through. They do give it a name, but it doesn't really matter. It's a proceeding, basically. I I assume from the context that this is one of those proceedings that if anyone ever assumes that the captain is unworthy to... to rule not to rule but to command as captain because of their mental faculties failing this is probably something that's being put in place so you can call a council of all the higher up staff on the ship and anyone on board that might have evidence and you can go over it and try and objectively like it's that it avoids coups because what you don't want in the federation is a young officer walking on the bridge with a phaser saying you are incapable because you're old go retire i'm captain now So, of course, they have all these legal procedures and things that they have to do in cases like this so that there can be peaceful transitions. And, unfortunately for Kirk, this is a very humiliating thing for him. And it's, you know, one person after another has to come in and answer questions and talk about how Kirk forgot this and he forgot that and he made me do this twice and then McCoy has to do a... He is closer to a 70-year-old man right now. And the Commodore asks him, like, do you think he's capable of commanding? And McCoy has to say... Well, at first he goes to defend him and he says, Damn it, I've known him all my life. He's a good man. He's a good captain. He says, Doctor, answer truthfully. Is it affecting his ability to command? And McCoy has to say yes. And that's basically how all of these go. Everyone comes up one by one and they all try and defend him out of loyalty. And then very quickly the facts show that, well, as much as they don't like it, he is in a bad spot and he probably shouldn't be in command. Now... After this, Kirk gets very upset. He yells at a few people. At first, he actually has a go at Spock and says, you should have been a lawyer. He says, as soon as you saw an opportunity to grab power, you took it. And then Spock tells him, no, sir, I did not take power. I have actually been relieved as well. I gave it over to Commodore as he is the ranking officer. The only other person who could take over was Scotty, and he's affected as much as me and you. And Kirk is pissed. He's like, you gave, and hang on, I wrote this down because I loved it. Uh, Commodore, never, He says, you gave that Commodore who has never had a field command. He calls him a desk-bound paper pusher, which is a typical, you know, he's a bureaucrat. He sat in Starbases all his life and filled out paperwork. He's a, more of an administrator than he is a commander, whereas Kirk is a frontline officer here. And we learn that this planet they're over is not very far from the Romulan DMZ, like the Demilitarized Zone. I call it demilitarized zone It's basically the borderlands Where if you go nearer to one side or the other Will start firing at you But the idea is that it's demilitarized So that they won't fight Commodore starts going there Because they detected a low form of radiation That was excreting from the comet That passed over the planet Now This I think from my understanding Is what caused this It was passing over the planet a few days Before when they were there But there were traces of it still in the atmosphere Now it was a low form of radiation, so Spock claims that their instruments don't really pick it up because ordinarily that's of no danger whatsoever, so they don't even scan for it. But when they reverse scanned and found it, they found its trail and where it was going and it headed for the DMZ. So Commodore, of course, takes the ship to the DMZ, open all hailing channels, he tells the and, you know, tell the Romulans why we're here. I'm willing to negotiate with them, I just need to see that comet, we need to take scans, it's important. And, of course, the Romulans do what the Romulans do. Two ships come out on either side and start firing on the Enterprise. The Commodore freaks out because, of course, just like Kirk said, he is a desk-bound paper pusher who's never had a field command. So not only is he in command of a ship with no experience, but he's now in command of a ship on the border of a hostile state who has opened fire on him. And he loses it starts shaking he's standing up he's like what do i do like open up more hailing frequencies we if i can just talk with them and sulu and everyone else are trying to tell him like they're not going to talk with you they are famous for opening fire like sulu says we've tangled with them before and after a while there's about 10 ships that come out because obviously the romulans have sounded the alert there's a federation ship trying to cross the dmz they haven't opened contact at all but they continue to be like yeah no they're coming we need to deal with them Because they're the Romulans, they opened fire. And uh, at one point the Commodore tries to say there's ten ships, we can't win that fight. If they won't communicate, then our only choice is to surrender. And that's when Sulu kindly reminds him, Sir, the Romulans don't take prisoners. Which, I have to say, is actually a really interesting point. Because the Romulans in this era are much more Roman based. Like the episode we had before, they're almost more about Praetorians, and like they use a lot of Roman words and they wear armour. I think in the early days the Romulans were meant to be a lot more Romanesque. And as time went on they became a lot more just secretive. Secretive and like later on they take all sorts of prisoners. That's their whole thing. They have the Tel Shia that pr- imprisons people and gets information out of them. They're kinda like the Soviet Union was in a way, where they have like sleeper agents everywhere and people that are planted and bioweapons ready to use, like They won't openly declare war, but everything is a game to them, everything is a scheme. They're always active, always looking for a way to get the advantage. It's interesting that in this era they don't take prisoners. I feel like in any other era, had the Enterprise, like the flagship of the Federation, crossed the border and surrendered to them, they would have taken it. Like in Picard's era, 100%, they would have taken the Enterprise and they would have dissected it, they would have reverse engineered every bit of info on it, they would have gone through the computer banks and found all sorts of shit about the Federation, they would have taken the prisoners and tortured each and every one of them to learn everything possible. But in this era, Sulu says no, they do not take prisoners, which I found very interesting. So in this era they were much more cutthroat and a lot less willing to do these things. And I wonder why the writing direction changed, or whether I'm going to notice maybe some event that happens at some point that causes them to change. I don't know. I found that interesting, and I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. But, anyway, yeah, they're in trouble. Now, you know, they have a meeting after Kirk has been, I was going to say defunded, it's not defunded, after he's been knocked off his command, basically, he's with McCoy and Spock, and they're all talking about how bad their condition is, and... What could have caused it? And then the ship starts rocking. Because the Romulans are firing. And at this point, they're basically fighting Kirk. Because he's like, I have to go to the bridge. My ship, he's going to get us killed. And they're like, you're too old. You can't. But Spock has been working with this other chick who's on board at this moment. She's a botanist, I think. A botanist or an expert on plants or something. I'm not 100% sure on exactly her role, but... She's an ex-lover of Kirk, and she basically talks, you know, throughout the show the episode, she's kind of hitting on him, kind of dropping a lot of hints about how she sort of regrets how they ended, and it seems like the way they ended was just, they went down different career paths. He wasn't willing to give up his ship, and she wasn't willing to give up her career, which meant they just didn't work. Always a shame when that happens, but it happens. And she's there, and she actually helps Spock, because they come up with an idea of how to work on it, along with Nurse Chapel, because at this point... Dr. McCoy's trying, but he's just like Kirk. He's like a 70, 80-year-old man. He's barely functional. His brain's sort of in and out. He's no longer really capable at this point of doing this. But they come up with a solution. He comes up with the idea, because apparently in Star Trek, they came up with a drug. I forget what it's called, but apparently that drug is the radiation cure for nearly every radiation. and It's what they use in every case of radiation now. But before that, they used adrenaline quite often for radiation sickness because it pumps it out of the body faster, which I think is a real-life thing. I believe that is partially how we deal with radiation now. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a doctor. But I believe I've heard that before, that they use adrenaline as a counter to radiation. And they say that because of, you know, the fact that that research was stopped, perhaps the answer to their problem is now that they've discovered it is a radiation sickness, and this is just how it's affecting them somehow, which... I'd have to bet scientifically it's probably not even possible, but for whatever. For this episode, that is the story they went with. They wanted the characters to age, and it's because of radiation. doesn't matter how realistic that is. Now, they come up with a treatment when they're mixing adrenaline. They come up with this solution. And supposedly it's painful. And there's a chance it'll kill people, because as Spock says, due to the timing of all this, we don't really have time to refine it. I'm not even sure this will work, and it could be very painful. It could kill you. And Kirk, you know, because the ship is still rocking, because remember, there are 10 Romulan birds of prey currently opening fire on them. And at this point, the Commodore is like shaking his chair, basically repeating, what do I do? Because he knows he can't win an upfront fight, and he has no experience or knowledge of what to do in this position. Everyone else on the bridge, i was actually a little disappointed in Chekhov and Sulu in this scene. Because they're not affected and they do have experience. It would have been a really nice moment for either of them to step up and take command and show their experience. Maybe they could have earned a commendation for like stepping up in a crisis. I mean it's fine. I like what they did in the end. They, Kirk says give me the injection. I'm going to die either way. If it kills me it kills me. If it doesn't I can get up to the bridge and I can help. And so they do. They give him the injection and he screams and he's convulsing and it's it seems very painful. But then we see Nurse Chapel, who is staring at his ob, say, "He's getting stronger. Like basically, the aging process is reversing. The radiation seems to be leaving him, and he's getting better." Next scene, we're up on the bridge. We see the Commodore freaking out. He's got his hand, he's got his head, like in his hands, like stressed because, oh my God, I've just gotten all of the crew killed, is what he's probably thinking. Like, what the hell have I done? And then Kirk walks in. Not just walks, he struts in. He's got Spock behind him. Spock's not taking the injection yet. He's still looking a bit older, but because he's a Vulcan, he's fine. He's still capable of helping. So they come on board, and Kirk sits down, and I loved this. He, I don't know if you guys remember, there was an episode a while back called the Coronite Maneuver, where they were captured by a very powerful alien race, and he bullshitted to them. That they had a coronite device on board, and that when it exploded, it would blow up a certain amount of space. Now, they didn't have it, remember? This was all a bluff. However, he pulls the same stunt, and it's brilliant. He comes on board, he immediately takes the command chair. Commodore doesn't even argue, he just gets up, moves aside, like, oh, the captain's back. He looks young, like, you, please take command. Please take this responsibility away from me. And... Kirk down immediately he gets on his little I don't know what you call it the com badge or whatever like the intercom on the armrest of his chair tells engineering I need you to get all emergency power and I need you to lay it at, I need sorry get all emergency power shunt it to the engines in exactly two minutes when I give the command so they go ahead and they start doing that and then he says okay Now, earlier in the episode, there was a thing where they were near the Romulan border and they were going to send a message to Federation space to, you know, presumably their higher-ups, the admirals and stuff, to keep them apprised of the crisis going on. And when he was an old man and he was confused, he told Ohura, send it to them on Channel 2. And Ohura says, but sir, I sent you a report, didn't I, saying that the Romulans have broken the cipher for Channel 2. They can read everything on that channel. And he, of course, in his old man state, he says, Oh, oh, yes, of course, I, I meant Channel 3, slip of the tongue. You know, he was old. But at this point, he's young again. He's young, and he's here, and he says, Channel 2, send a message to the Federation on Channel 2 and tell them that I am about to set off the Coromite device that we have on board, and that a 200000 kilometer radius around this ship will become dead space, and for all Federation ships to avoid it for the next four-star years, whatever a star year is by the way and uh and it was brilliant because once again he's used Coramite, which is not a real substance and a device that is apparently a self-destruct system that again does not exist and he's used this twice now and he did it on channel two now at first Ohura says but sir I thought channel two and he says follow my orders she says yes sir and she sends it through which is hilarious, because that's what he planned. He knew the Romulans were listening. He knew they wouldn't answer any of his comms if he tried to call them. So he sent it on a channel to Federation space, knowing they would read it. Which means they would all back off at least 200,000 kilometers, thinking something was about to explode and possibly take their ships with them. Which gave him the window he needed, because it took two minutes for them to back off. And at the two minute mark, the power suddenly shunted, the lights like flickered, As soon as he did, he said, Sulu, hit the warp, warp 6, back towards Federation space, and they did. Because, of course, before he had started the bluff, he had already told engineering to start preparing the power to make the ship faster, basically. And then they determined, you know, the Romulan ships were trying to follow, but they were not expecting him to move away, and because they were in the middle of moving further than 200,000 kilometers from the ship to be in safety, they were not currently facing the right direction to even chase the ship, so... That delay cost them being able to keep up, and they fall behind. And eventually they stop chasing. At which point the Commodore just smiles and says to Kirk, I now see that you were right. A starship can do most things that a starbase can do, and under the under the command of the right man, I am very... <laughs> what's he say? I, uh, I'm very aware of what a ship can do when it's under the command of the right man. And he just sort of nods at Kirk. And I like that. Like, you know, I don't... I get it the commodore they try and depict the commodore as a bit of a dick and honestly i think he was just trying his best he just didn't know any better you, you can't help it if you've not no field experience it's not really his fault he did his best in the situation that he could and in the end he was graceful enough to step aside and tell the captain that you're a better captain than i and and that was nice but you know they get away and you know, because they now have the cure, of course, they're going to tell people what was wrong and what caused it, and that'll probably become common knowledge now. However, there was a few things about this episode that were kind of interesting, like, you know, the Koromite thing to me was brilliant. I think that was a really nice callback to, a, I think, a Season 1 episode, but anyway. I like that we got a bit of a mention of Starfleet Command, we got to see another Commodore, you know, we got all that. It was really cool, though, seeing the characters be old. And what I found incredibly interesting, personally, was Dr. McCoy, when he looks really old, there's a scene, and we'll see it when we get to Next Generation, because it's in the very first episode of Next Generation, there is an old, old Admiral that comes aboard the Starship Enterprise, which in Next Generation is the new Starship Enterprise, Enterprise D, not the original like this show, and that Admiral is McCoy. And it's the original actor of McCoy, who, keep in mind, is old at that point. Like, even when this show was on in the 60s, I think he was amongst the oldest of the actors. So, like, he was quite old at this point. Old I think, what's his name? F- Dennis Forrest or something? It's Forrest something. I, I'll, I'll find it in the next episode. I'll make a point of saying his name. But, like, he was very old. He was getting older, they had been doing movies throughout the 70s, Star Trek movies and all that stuff in the early 80s, and he slowly was phasing himself out and getting smaller roles because he was requesting it, because he's old and he just couldn't keep up anymore. He basically quit acting, he only came back for the occasional Starfleet role, just because he wanted to reprise Dr. McCoy. But one thing he did do at the start of Next Generation, because it's funny, people forget today because Next Generation so popular, but there was an era where people hated it. You can still find old newspaper articles online and stuff of what people were saying about Next Generation and how it's disgusting, how can they have Star Trek without Kirk, how can you do this without that crew, like, a lot of people really gave Next Generation a hard, bad review. And to be fair, a lot of season 1 and 2 of The Next Generation, there's a lot of episodes that don't really do themselves many favours. I don't think a lot of them are terrible, but they're pretty average, and for a new show that was coming out with a pretty hostile fan base wasn't a good start. So, Forrest, you know, the actor for McCoy, actually decided to try and help them in a way by putting himself as a guest star in the first episode. That way, yes, it's a new show, I'm not a main character, but at least McCoy's on board for the flagship episode. And I thought that was cool. But what interests me the most was when they dressed McCoy up in this episode to look like an old man, giving him the makeup and hair, it was awfully, I mean, awfully similar to what he looks like when he actually is an old man and returns in the 80s like 20 years after this episode was aired to that show it was actually a very striking resemblance and it made me think geez that's it's just incredible like when i saw it straight away i was like oh wow he looks a lot like next generation which is really weird i've never thought about those two together but yeah i found that interesting but anyway I mean, mind you, in the start of Next Generation, he doesn't do much. He's literally just touring the ship. He's on board. I think he gets a bit of a tour from the Doctor. And then at one point, he uh, he says to the Doctor in Next Generation, a ship is like a lady. You've got to treat it right. And any ship with Enterprise on it is a fine lady. Which is, you know, I think... I think that might be the last line McCoy ever gives in Star Trek, because I think after Next Generation started, he didn- wasn't in any of the future movies, because they started doing Next Gen movies. I don't think he ever came back, because like, I believe he died somewhere in the 80s. I'll have to look that up exactly when he died, but... Because some of the other characters come back, like spoilers, in Next Gen you're going to see at least one episode famously with Scotty. There's a movie called Generations where you'll get to see The Last of Kirk. We'll actually see Kirk's death in that movie. And, um, well, Spock comes back, briefly. He comes back because Spock was directing one of the movies, so he comes back and he's a part of a two-part episode of Next Generation, which is sort of promoting what the movie's about. So it was sort of self-indulging, but also it's a really good episode and I really enjoy that episode. So, you know... A lot of the crew from the original series do get little appearances throughout the shows later on. But McCoy, unfortunately, I believe died before most of them. But anyway, anyway, I digress. We've sort of, we've stopped talking about Deadly Years for a while now. But yeah, that's the episode. It's interesting. It was, it's sort of weird to see Star Trek trying to tackle a little bit of uh, the idea of dementia and aging in characters and because it is sad. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys, but I have thought about what it must be like to be old a lot. Like, I've watched my, as I mentioned, my grandparents have dementia. I worked before in a lot of retirement homes as a cleaner, which, you know, I didn't have a lot to do with the patients, but I would have to talk to them. I'd have to knock on their doors, say good morning, and have a quick chat with each of them. You can't just walk in and clean their ensuite. You have to say something. They live in that room. So, you know, I met a lot of these people, and there were very differing levels. Some of them were very nice people that, you know, sometimes you'd walk in and you'd say good day to them and you'd question, like, why they're even here. They seem very competent. They're very awake. They're reading. They're up. They're holding conversations. They keep an eye contact. They seem physically able to get up and down on their own. And then there are others that are near vegetative states and. Some dementia patients that would just wander around the ward talking about people who supposedly died years ago, wander around looking for people who weren't alive anymore, and it can be very sad. There's something incredibly depressing about watching a human lose their faculties in their own body. I do not look forward to that, and personally, I hope I don't live long enough to experience those types of things because. Losing your independence and your own body, I i can't think of a worse fate. It's truly one of the more horrifying things that humanity has to deal with is, unfortunately, dementia and what aging can do to you. Now, in saying that, not everyone that is old is dementia-ridden or useless. Like I said, my grandpa, before he died, he died like, well, I don't know exactly how old he was. He was like 84-ish, 85-ish. But right up until about 12 months before he got. He died, which was when he got sick and his dementia was very rapid. But like, before he got sick, he was fine. Like, he was 81 years old and he was still driving his golf cart all around town. He had friends everywhere. He was going golfing on his own. He was independent, still cooking, doing all his own stuff. Like, for an 81 year old man, a lot of the time he was probably more independent and on top of his shit than I was. Until he very suddenly wasn't. But like, you know, it's one of those. One of those things that I think we're all a little bit scared of and it's interesting to see how Star Trek tried to tackle it and they sort of had to do it through a radiation sickness sci-fi way but I think really they just wanted to do an episode about aging and it was interesting. I almost wish they had done this in other series. I Watching this made me be like, I kind of... Now that I say this out loud, I'm, I'm having weird memories of, I think there actually is an Enterprise episode. I mean, a next gen episode where they age. I don't know. I don't remember now, but I, I feel like there was something like that. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We will get into all that next time. So I'm going to jump off for now because I need to, you know, go and edit all of this and actually make it a video. I want to say again, I apologize for my hiatus. As a little bonus, I'm going to be sorry, I'm going to be editing all three of these tonight and uploading them all at once. So you'll get a nice triple episode treat for my comeback. And I'm undecided I might do one more tonight if not tomorrow I'm kind of intending to do a lot more of this so what I'm hoping to do in future is a lot more I want to try and I was trying to do two a week and I've decided schedules don't suit me I'm not very good at that type of stuff I'm just going to when the motivation hits me if I feel like I can record 10 episodes in a day I will and I think tomorrow I'm going to aim to make it one of those days where I'm going to record from the minute I wake up until I fall asleep editing each episode and I'll probably set them to upload over the next few weeks. Probably won't upload them all at once, but these first three I will. This is my little gift to people that uh, have been waiting, and to any loyal listeners that were, I am very grateful. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you all next time.